Hello, Roy here. I just wanted to let you know that you can listen to The Roy Green Show ad-free on Amazon Music, included with Prime. The Assistant Commissioner of the Royal Canadian Mounted Police, Jane McClatchy, there, talking about, as you heard, resources will remain in the Gillam area, and now the divers are there. As we've been hearing, RCMP divers, recovery divers, are going to be in the Nelson River, probably are now as we're speaking, because they found a dented boat. And we, the last, the last place we specifically know Schmigelski and McLeod were, was the Gillam area. There were reported possible sightings in Kappa's casing in northern Ontario, but for sure we just know it's Gillam. And what happens going forward? Joining us on the program is David McDonald. He's the uh, head and founder of the International Canadian School of Survival, and they're located in Manitoba. Dave, thank you very much for taking the time. Um, RCMP divers in the Nelson River today, what does that say to you? Well, they've got some kind of tip. Something's going on. They're checking out, checking it out. Um, they're sending the divers in. Uh, if it's body recovery, then we can get some closure right away and shut the operation down. But other than that, they're just checking it out to see if there's any validity to the find. How does the Nelson River come into play uh, in, in the Gillam area? Uh, for people who, you know, haven't looked at it on, on maps or, or, or gone online to take a look at what it is, how, how prominent is the Nelson River and how might it come into play for any individual who's trying to survive and not be found? Well, it's a large volume river, you know, it drains uh, quite a big basin down in Lake Winnipeg and then it goes from Lake Winnipeg uh, north and then east. Uh, to the Hudson Bay area. Um, it's very turbulent. It's uh, very cold water. Uh, it's pretty uh, silty. It's hard to see through. So they'll have a hard time uh, diving in that water for sure. I was about to ask you that. How difficult will it be for the for even experienced divers to find anything they may be looking for? So not easy at all. No, not that easy at all. And uh, it really depends on the section of the river and some areas they won't be able to dive at all. Other areas will be a fairly basic dive for them. So you know that area particularly well. You understand what, what the bush is like there. We've heard a lot of descriptions about unless unless you're properly prepared, unless you're a, uh, a competent survivalist, I mean that in the in the generic sense, yeah. you're, you're not going to do very well in that bush area. Now, it's been almost two weeks. What's your, what's your gut tell you? Is going, are they there or not? You know, I honestly couldn't tell you. They could be anywhere by now. Um, if they are there, they could very well be doing just fine. Um, and then on the other hand, they may be uh, laying there suffering from heat stroke or heat exhaustion or dehydration or, you know, stuck in a swamp somewhere, um, laying on the edge of a shore. You never know where they could be out there. I mean... Where would you where would you be looking? Where would I be looking? Yeah. Well, the lines of communication, the same place the police are looking. Yeah. That's all you can really do. They look by air. Uh, they look along the lines of communication, like waterways, uh, travel corridors, like highways, uh, hydro lines, railroad tracks. They'll search all those. That's all you can really do, uh, because that forest is so massive and dense, and you know there's no one there, so. <laughs> it would be very difficult to find somebody in there. So for the average person who maybe goes to a provincial park 
where there's some bike trails and there's some trees, maybe a lot of trees, and you see the odd deer jump across the trail and you tell everybody about it, and you know there's some coyotes there, that's the, that's the urbanite's idea of wilderness, I think. Yeah. No, this is like you're flying over, you know, a couple thousand feet above ground level, and there's like no lights or very, very few lights. Maybe around the, spotted around the edges of some lakes, or maybe along the edges of the rivers and stuff, but they're very far and few between, and they seem to stick close together because of the remoteness of the area. Okay. They've got so, to depend on each other in case something happens. Now, but I, but I, I take it you're, you're telling us and I've heard this from somebody else uh, not long ago, you're telling us that even though they may not be trained sur- you know, survive, in survival in areas such as the, the bush near Gillum, mm-hmm. there's nothing that says they could not still be alive. They could not, nothing that says they could not still be functioning to a greater or lesser degree. They may still be there. Yes, definitely, definitely. Definitely, uh, humans are tenacious creatures. We've gone to all the worst environments of the world, and we seem to be doing okay in them. So, yeah. um, and if you read any survival stories, which I love to do, um, you can see how people suffer and still live, um, make it through to the end, and survive long yeah. periods of time, even in captivity. Yeah, some one of our guests made the point yesterday that. And he was involved in uh, in, in trying to, in, in a unit in an Ontario provincial police unit that was tasked at times to go and try to find people who were lost in bush areas. And he said it's hard enough to find people who want to be found. Never mind people who don't want to be found. No, exactly. I've done many searches over areas like that, looking for planes or boats, and it's hard to see any sign of those sometimes, let alone up. Uh, two guys evading on the ground trying to hide it's like a needle in a haystack basically it's it's an almost an impossible task unless you get lucky and catch them out in the open or catch them on the water or you know something along those lines how much interest is, is there among the uh, average canadian so the the folks in in learning about survival you teach you teach survival techniques and 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 uh, and courses. How much is the interest growing in this? Yes, it is growing quite a bit. Uh, it's growing for companies as well. They're realizing they can't send workers way up in remote areas without some type of survival training, sure, yeah. first aid, survival training. Yeah. Um, and then a lot of individuals are coming to me too because, uh, you know, navigation training is really survival prevention, and survival training is really first aid prevention, and then first aid training is suffering prevention, basically. So the three of them go hand in hand. Uh, with that, you can go anywhere in the world and know you can look after yourself. And now if you can look after yourself, you can help others. So. Mm-hmm. If they've left Gillum, and somehow they're still going to be outdoors much of the time, mm-hmm. and they're still going to be in the Canadian North unless they have somehow found their way way south, which doesn't seem likely. What are the greatest challenges they'd be facing from the area they're in? Is it animals, like the wildlife? We've heard a lot about bugs. Is it unhelpful terrain? What would they most be, what's the, what's the greatest obstacle they'd be facing, particularly now, after the time that's elapsed between the time we know they were being sought and today? 
dehydration is one for sure. I mean, they can stay hydrated if there's lots of water, but they need to drink, drink, drink. You need to drink, 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 especially if you're expelling that much uh, energy and water. And then you need the calorie intake as well. You're talking four to 6,000 calories a day if you're moving like that, maybe even a little more at times. Um, and then the insects, they're just, every time the mosquitoes bite you or the black flies bite you, they're taking calories off you as well. Yeah. And that sun beating down on you, heating you up, it's taking calories and water out of you as well. So you've got to constantly be feeding and hydrating and looking after yourself. You'll get, eventually get trench foot or immersion foot as well if your feet are wet too long. And that area is well known for how boggy it is between the rises of Canadian shield that are sticking up everywhere. Um, how long do you think it could take for RCMB divers, if, if, if they find them, if they're in the river, lots of ifs, how, how long could it take? To find them in that river? Yeah. Oh, they may never find them. I, I'd say they'd be super lucky to find them. Like, okay. the odds are not in their favor of finding, uh, people in that river, unless they come to the surface somehow. So we uh, we have no idea how this is going to end. Lots of speculation, lots of possible scenarios, but we uh, we're just not able to paint a most likely picture at this point. Dave, thank you very much for talking to us. Much appreciated. My pleasure, Roy. All the best to you. Take care. Bye bye, Dave McDonald from the International Canadian School of Survival in Manitoba. If you want to hear more. Subscribe to The Roy Green Show on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever you find your favorites. And if you like what you hear, leave us a review and tell a friend. I'm Roy Green. Have a great weekend.